0: Okay, so if you've been listening to the podcast for a while now, there are two things you probably know about me. The first is that I am a diehard OG Skims fan. Like, There have literally been times where we've had to pause a recording because a certain product dropped that I needed to buy. And second of all, you know, historically, I kind of just never wear a bra. So what we're talking about here is kind of merging those two things. Because listen, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm never going to be a daily bra wear. It's just not in the cars for me, never has been, never will be. However, there's recently been more events that I've kind of had a lot of weddings, and just there's sometimes you gotta wear a bra. And when I tell you, Skims is changing the game for me because that same comfort that I talk about with the underwear or the loungewear, they did that with the bras. And recently in the past month, I've worn the fits everybody t-shirt bra and the no-show balconette bra. I had to wear that one to a wedding under a dress. And like it was the first time in my life where number one, I wasn't miserable. And second of all, I didn't come home and just like immediately want to take it off, which I'm telling you, it is a foreign concept for me. They're just so comfortable. It's like I really felt like I was wearing nothing. I'm, I'm such a fan of everything that they make. So I guess it makes total sense that I love the bras, but like I'm telling you, you will have the same experience. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. Definitely do that. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows. Hi, guys. I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. I am. A lot of little stories today that add up to a very decent amount of content, but I wouldn't say there's one bombshell necessarily.
1: It does feel like a lot, though. Like, I will say that I felt very seen by all of the TikToks and the tweets about checking in on your pop culture friend because they're going through a lot having to explain everything to everybody. (laughs) That was us. Julie and I were in Greece last week with Isabel, and we are literally in the middle of
0: a Greek island, like just explaining to random people what's going on with the Don't Worry Darling thing. It was maybe the most classic thing that has ever happened to us. No, ever. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say that if we were recording this episode last week, I think the Don't Worry Darling thing would be so much more of a headline. I get that it's kind of a little bit old news, but it would be sacrilegious to not talk
1: about it. I did feel an immense amount of guilt for not being able to do an episode on it last week. But the thing with the Don't Worry Darling stuff is that I feel like it's always relevant. Like <laughs> over the past couple of months, there hasn't been a day that's gone by where I've been like, eh, nothing about Don't Worry Darling today.
0: Well, let's not forget it hasn't even come out in theaters yet. Like all of this talk has been before the formal release. So in 11 days, when it premieres on September 23rd, that's going to spark a whole new line of conversation around it.
1: And let's not forget, there is still other press to be done, other premieres that are going to take place. Like there's this conversation is for sure not done yet. Every single time something comes up again, whether it's a premiere, Harry saying something at a concert, somebody giving an interview, all of this gets dragged back up again. And so in that 11 days before the release, there's still a lot of things that can happen here.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're not going to do a full extensive breakdown complete with timeline like we normally would, because like I said, we get that it's a little bit late, so it's kind of old news. But we just have to touch on some of the major things that happened both at the film festival and then some of the online discourse surrounding it.
1: For me personally, Twitter being the background character to all of this made it a million times better, a million times more enjoyable. This was one of my favorite pop culture events of the year, I think.
0: The Harry Styles, Chris Pine spit gate, complete with Harry then acknowledging it at his concert at Madison Square Garden, is to me one of the funnier things that has happened recently.
1: I spent about three days gaslighting everyone I know into truly believing that Harry spit on him, even though I knew he didn't. I knew he did not spit on him. I knew there was no way. I just, I just wanted it to be real.
0: (laughs) I mean, listen, in anyone's defense that did believe it, even momentarily, obviously that was a really far-fetched idea that didn't happen. But Chris Pine's kind of body language and general demeanor throughout that entire festival was worth noting. So, like, it it wasn't as though that was the only time that the way he was acting, I don't know, caused people to just be a little bit intrigued.
1: No, there's a couple of things here. First of all, if you did believe it, you believed it based on watching a video that was pretty damning evidence. Like, for all of this drama to come to a head with a video that very much appeared like Harry spit on Chris Pine, which just, if you believed it, like, you had good reason to. Of course it didn't take place. Of course, like, it was purely just coincidental timing of the way that Harry turned his head, looked at him, sat down, Chris Pine looked in his pocket, saw his sunglasses. Like, it was all created for just the perfect storm of believing that. But, like, It's not like a rumor went around and people were like, oh, I kind of think that Harry spit on him. It's like you had a video where the timing of it was just so perfect that it was a logical conclusion to draw.
0: I can't go as far as to say it was a logical conclusion. That feels really far
1: fetched to me. But it looks like he's spitting on him. Where do you see the spit, though? You don't see the spit leave his mouth, but at the exact same time that Harry makes some sort of movement with his mouth and looks at Chris Pine and is leaning to sit down and Chris Pine looks at exactly where the spit would have landed, which is his sunglasses in his pocket. Like it's, it's not the craziest thing that that went viral. And that was the conclusion drawn. It's like, if you saw the tiniest bit of spit, it would have looked like that. Okay, but here's my
0: thing. Let's say, hypothetically speaking, you saw that video, right? And there was no internet. So only you viewed that video and you realized with your own two eyes, okay, something's a little bit off here. Would you have ever come to the conclusion that he spit on him? Or would you have just said, maybe something's a little bit weird with Chris Pine and Harry Styles because the way that Chris Pine looked when Harry came over to him feels a little bit off. Like to me, the only reason that the spit conversation even entered is because someone on the internet said it and then everyone else ran with it because it was a seemingly valid explanation for why chris pine had that facial shift
1: um no i don't think that i would have looked at that video and immediately gone oh my god did harry spit on him but i don't think that when that conclusion was drawn from the video i don't think it was a situation where the internet just ran with it i think it was a situation where everyone watched that video and was like holy shit did he You
0: know what's so crazy, though, when you really think about it? For the last year or so, all we have been hearing about is the -the behind-the-scenes drama between the actors and Olivia and and what's happening here. So we've had, I mean, specifically for the last few months, some pretty solid evidence that something was going on between minimally Olivia and Florence. And that was really, really highlighted. We knew the whole shy of it all. Don't you think that if something also had been going on between Harry and Chris, the spit
1: wouldn't have been the first time we heard about it? Well, that was the whole thing for me is that we were so focused on just the three main characters here, the Harry, Olivia and Florence of it all, that we weren't even thinking about the other actors. And so once Chris Pine got brought into the conversation, not just because of Spitgate, Spitgate was a result of Chris Pine's general attitude towards Harry the entire festival of everything that we were seeing, his facial expressions when Harry was talking during his interviews, the way that they were kind of not really interacting on the red carpet. Like it it definitely came from a place of there's clearly something going on. Like the, the entire Venice Film Festival to me can be summed up in Chris Pine has entered the conversation. Yeah, and then
0: secondary to that, a fascinating analysis in body language because I swear if I had no context, if I hadn't been following this at all and all I knew is that Harry and Olivia were dating, seeing some of those photos and those videos, you would have said, all right, something's a little bit off here.
1: It seemed very much from both body language, the way everybody was interacting and our previous knowledge of the situation. It seemed very much. And let me know if you agree. Harry and Olivia versus Chris Pine and Florence with Gemma and Nick Kroll being the floaters in between kind of neutral, Nick Kroll being far more actually neutral, and Gemma being a little bit more neutral, but definitely on Florence's side.
0: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that take generally. I mean, to me, my biggest takeaway was that clearly Olivia and Harry sat down before the premiere with their teams and were like, listen, the last thing we're going to do is allow our relationship and any speculation of our relationship to kind of overshadow the film here. So we're really going to have very limited interaction, which I can understand the reasoning for that, but I almost feel like the extent to which they took it to kind of backfired because it was so obvious that they were actively trying to not engage that to me, it made it even more
1: obvious. That's a whole other layer here, too, is just strictly Harry and Olivia. The way they were acting was so strange to me because this isn't a situation where we've only seen them exist via like a couple of paparazzi photos. And we're like, ooh, we think they're dating, but we're not 100 percent sure. And like they're not going to confirm it for us on any red carpet. It's like we know you guys are dating. You don't have to ignore each other. Like there doesn't have to be this overwhelming amount of PDA where you're kissing on the carpet, but you guys didn't have to like act like you didn't know the other existed. Everything about this was just perfect. I couldn't have asked for Venice Film Festival to go down in a better way. It was nonstop entertainment. It was nonstop stories. Every single thing about it was like, it never ended. Every single thing sparked a different conversation. And now we're having the conversation of, well, I wonder if, Harry and Olivia were just being weird because they don't know how to act in this situation. And all of the press around the movie and the relationship and the drama, like they're just responding to that in a way that was just completely unnatural and uncomfortable. Or is it possible that they broke up? the Venice Film Festival
0: had never really entered my mind until last year when Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain walked the red carpet together. And there was that really romantic display when his face went into her underarm and we were all kind of turned on for reasons that we didn't even fully know why. And it was just a lot to process. And then this happened and I completely forgot about that. Like you are right. It was perfect from start to finish. And in terms of where Harry and Olivia potentially stand now, yes, I think the way that they were acting and kind of being so standoffish to one another was absolutely intentional and not necessarily representative of a breakup totally. I also just don't think it's the craziest thing that the chaos from this entire situation could have really strained the relationship. I just feel like it hasn't done either of them well from a public perception perspective, which isn't the reason to end a relationship, but it has to be really, really strong to have the desire to stay in it amidst all this stuff.
1: I mean, I guess that's my question that I've always wondered is, does this relationship necessarily have an expiration date? Like The way we spoke about Kim and Pete was always under The guise of like this is gonna end soon but what a crazy run i don't think that when we've spoken about harry and olivia we've really known enough about what harry wants out of life and relationships and what his plan is and what olivia's plan is to know whether or not this relationship has an expiration date but i guess that's the question that i have now is like to me the don't worry darling drama and like more than that, the Harry stans drama, what the two of them have had to go through is kind of the equivalent of like the media circus that Pete and Kim had had to go through where it's like, okay, if you can make it through that, like in my mind, you're solid. And we saw that Pete and Kim, they were able to make it through that. It was the next stage that they couldn't really handle. And so I wonder if Harry and Olivia's relationship in the next stage after all of this looks similar to that, too, or if this just continues on and it's kind of They go to a quiet existence that they had previous to all of this and they just go back to that. I'm very interested in where this relationship goes now.
0: I can't see it long-term. I think initially when they had first started dating, I was really into it because I love the idea of him with an older woman. And I think it just seemed mysteriously sexy to me. And potentially because of everything that's gone down, it's kind of taken that away, which isn't necessarily fair. I'm just being honest. I don't know. I don't think that, that it lasts. I'm not saying that it's going to happen right away because I also could see an argument for sticking with it at the very least until the movie comes out and a little bit after that. Because again, they don't want that to overshadow the movie. But I, I don't know. To me, there's just no way. What do you, what do you think? Like, like if, you, if somebody said to you right now, yes or no, are they making a long-term? What's your answer?
1: I think, no, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, no, but I, I, I guess it's hard to, I guess, again, going back to the Kim and Pete of it all, it's hard to analyze the length of a relationship or what you think the length of a relationship is going to be when it kind of didn't make sense to you from the start. Like I've never really fully seen them together. I've never really fully gotten it. So in my mind, I don't, i i i guess the thing here is like i don't care if they make it she's that bad to say like I i don't i'm not invested enough to care i'm invested in the current drama and i love the pop culture of it all and what this relationship has bred and what it's kind of turned into but in terms of being an actual relationship and the two of them isolated from all of this i don't feel that invested
0: I don't know if it's bad to say, but that's exactly how I feel in terms of not being that invested, which I feel partially comes from the fact that they have been so intentional in keeping it really private. And I feel like when you're a celebrity couple of this magnitude of fame, When you work so hard to keep it really removed from the public, it can go one of two ways in terms of the interest. It can either make the public interest skyrocket because you feel like you're getting so little that you hold on to any little piece that you can get and you're almost dying for information. Or because in a lot of ways it's so out of sight, out of mind, except for the few paparazzi shots and the videos of her dancing at his concerts that you're kind of like, you know what, fuck it. I I don't need to put in the brain power to try to figure out what's going on since they're giving us nothing.
1: And I feel like personally for me, I've gone more the latter. Well, I feel like the whole time the interest in the relationship has come from the drama surrounding it. And so when you take that in combination with the fact that they're so seemingly private or attempting to be private in a way that's not so private, I I think that people end up just disinterested in the actual relationship and just so focused on the elements surrounding it. And I wonder, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see if they kind of thrive off of that fact like if it's something that really brings them closer together you know there's the Jason Stakis of it all there is you know the fact that Olivia has kids that the fact that they were kind of isolated together in London there's the Don't Worry Darling drama Harry being on toilet there's a lot of factors here and these are all things that either make or break a relationship and so I'm very interested more in the fact of like does the drama surrounding the relationship make it stronger is that what is strengthening it or is like this something where they're waiting to just be over the hump, because that's what I think is going to determine both their relationship and continued public interest. I think that once you're not involved in the drama to the extent that Olivia and Harry have been, once it's kind of over all of this, if you want the public to be interested in your relationship, and I'm not saying they do, but if you are interested in that side of it, they're going to have to be a little bit more public with things.
0: I honestly don't think that they care that much about the public interest of it all, though. Like, the way that they are so intentionally private, I think that that's genuine because whether or not the public is overly invested is kind of irrelevant to them, whereas if you compare it to Kim and Pete, for example, that was really important to them, specifically to Kim or or maybe solely to Kim, you know? She wanted to feed that machine, which I know is what she does regardless, but I think she recognized where Kim and Pete as a couple sat in the general pop culture landscape and wanted to really kind of give into that. I don't think Harry and Olivia care. I think my initial point about the drama of all this potentially putting a strain on their relationship, you're right in that kind of also similar to Kim and Pete when we were talking about the Kanye of it all of wow, this may be so stressful. The flip side is that it could also be very bonding, is that you you two have each other amidst all of this chaos. And so that's another way to look at it, right? Like maybe the extent to which this has all been blown up really has has
1: bonded them in, in almost like a trauma bond kind of way. Right. The bonding aspect of it is kind of what I was saying before. But you know what else we didn't talk about, which I thought was one of the more interesting things in all of this, was the glam teams getting involved and the stylists. I swear to you, this was the aspect
0: of the entire film festival that I was perhaps most intrigued by. And this is why we always say, if you really, really care about this stuff, like not just peripherally, but you are really invested, you need to be following the glam teams and the stylists because you're going to pick up all this little added context that you wouldn't get from just following the celebrities. So two things to mention. First... From Florence aside, her glam team posted photos, you know, doing her up, and they were all wearing shirts that said, Miss Flo. And then her stylist, Rebecca Corbin Murray, posted a photo of Florence on the red carpet and captioned it, Miss Flo, obviously a callback to what Olivia referred to her as in the video to Shia. And then Olivia's stylist, Carla Welch, posted a photo of Olivia on her story and she captioned it, There's always more to the story, which I live for that shit like those are the tiny little anecdotes that I just find to be so for lack of a better word
1: juicy and salacious inject a petty glam team response into my fucking veins the Carla Welch of it all is very interesting to me because it's like if there's more to the story somebody has to say the story like I need a little bit more from everybody involved do you think we'll ever get that answer
0: I don't know and probably not, but I really, really hope so because to me, it's like I am fully down to have my mind changed. I am so down for my mind to be changed. We just need more information for that to be the case because as of right now, in terms of just Olivia versus Florence, it doesn't look so great for Olivia, if I'm going to be totally honest. But like I'm not above potentially having my mind changed if more details and facts come out that, that change the story. I'm not in too deep.
1: It's just we haven't really gotten that much convincing evidence that proves otherwise. And also, it's very interesting to me to allow your stylist to post something that says, you know, there's two sides to every story while actively being in interviews and maintaining the fact that nothing's going on.
0: I know. And I have such conflicting thoughts on that element of it because we live for that. Like you said, give me petty glam team all day. But at the same time, you know, I think that it would be really naive to think that a stylist would post something like that in either camp without the approval from the client. And so it feels slightly disingenuous, at least on Olivia's part, to forget about praising Florence, because I do believe that she views Florence as that talented of an actress. But I'm saying in terms of the complete uh, unwillingness to even acknowledge any of the drama and then allow for something like that, that's where I'm like, hmm. whereas Florence, in her defense, she just
1: kind of skipped out on the whole thing, but she never denied the drama. I agree. I have no issue with Olivia in interviews praising Florence. I do think that's genuinely how she feels. I think whether they have issues or not, I think she's thrilled to have worked with her and thrilled with the performance that she gave in this movie. I don't think that's the question. But I think to pretend like we're all making this up for the sake of drama and having something to talk about is just absolutely crazy. I know, but at the same time, I don't blame her. Like, let's just read that exact quote that you're talking about. So
0: this was in the press conference. She was asked about the rumors and she says, Florence is a force. We're so grateful she's able to make it tonight for the red carpet despite being in production on Dune. I know as a director how disruptive it is to lose an actor even for a day. So I'm very grateful to her and to Dune director Dennis for helping us. And we'll get to celebrate her work tonight. I can't say how honored I am to have her as our lead. She's amazing. As for all the endless tabloid gossip and all the noise out there, the internet feeds itself. I don't feel the need to contribute. I think it's sufficiently well-nourished. And when I saw that video, I was like, that is a stellar response. 10 out of 10, no notes." Because realistically, what's she supposed to say? Like at the press conference at the Venice Film Festival, she's going to now start talking about the drama? No. I thought that that was a beautiful response. I, I thought that she both praised Florence and also kind of just gracefully removed herself from the discourse. I guess let's just say she gave Carla permission to post that. Then yeah, it's like, wait a damn minute. I don't know. I mean, I I also to be totally honest, I don't think Olivia can win at this point. Like I think the internet has kind of made its mind up, and so I do feel for her in in that regard because on some level it did overshadow, I think, you know, the work that she put into this into this movie. I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts on it. I just find the whole
1: thing very very interesting. No, I know. I mean, listen, it really is one of my favorite pop culture events that has happened in a while. And I think that the way the internet has responded to it and their understanding of it, it kind of aligns with that as well in the sense of like, at the end of the day, this is all just petty drama. Like nothing here is that deep. And so to be able to talk about this, analyze every angle of it, get so much from it. And also at the exact same time, be able to all understand like this is just entertainment for us. Like, yes, of course, there are real people involved. Of course, this is someone's work and their movies. And like, I understand all of that. But at the end of the day, for us to be discussing this from that angle and the lens that we are, all of us, and the memes and the jokes about it, like, it's all relatively lighthearted in comparison to a lot of other celebrity drama that's taken place. And I just think that the layers of it and the amount that has come from it is just, to me, it's perfect.
0: Okay. So imagine these softest sheets you've ever felt. And now imagine them getting even softer with every wash. told you guys about this company before, but I'm going to tell you again. And I'm honestly not going to stop telling you because they are the best sheets on the market. In a recent customer survey, 96% said that Bolin brand sheets get softer with every wash, which I didn't take that survey. But if I did, I would have been in the 96% because I am telling you it's like you've tried them at first and you can't believe that they could get softer. And then they just continually do. A lot of things I like about this company, first of all, they're made with the rarest 100% Organicon and are completely free from toxins. Second of all, they're buttery soft, but also breathable. So they kind of work in any season. They have over 11,000 reviews, 30 night worry-free guarantees. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Their signature sheets come in 13 versatile colors in all sizes. So from twin up to California King, I have them in the color stone. I have the color mineral. I have waffle blanket. Like I got a lot of things from this company and everything is just quality. I so badly need you to try them so that you can understand what I mean. I'm telling you, I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and everyone I know is hooked. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your first order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolan Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code is CBC. Exclusions apply. Seaside for details. Okay. So one thing about me, I'm going to get my food delivered. It kind of just falls under the general umbrella of convenience, which as we know is a core principle of my life. And I've been a DoorDash user for a while now, as I'm sure many of you are, but I specifically want to talk to you about Dash Pass because it's kind of really the way you get the most from delivery, which as a side note, if you use code CBC24, you can get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for Dash Pass. But let's zoom in for a second on what DashPass is. Basically, it's the most affordable way to get anything in your area delivered to your door. So it's helping you save money and time with every DoorDash order. And number one, $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on eligible orders. So it makes it really easy to save on groceries, retail items, restaurants, all of your local favorites that deliver on DoorDash. And then this is the thing that really sold me. DashPass pays for itself on average in two orders. So it makes delivery even more worth it. Plus, DashPass gives you special access to exclusive promotions, member-only menu items, all for only $9.99 a month. Get more from Delivery for less. Sign up for DashPass today only on DoorDash. Use code CBC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass. Subject to change, terms apply. The next few topics are kind of what we were saying in the intro in terms of nothing is groundbreaking, but just a bunch of things we just simply want to talk about, yes? Yes. So there's been this Gigi Hadid, Leonardo DiCaprio speculation for a little while now, and this last week, apparently a source exclusively told Us Weekly that Leo has his sights set on Gigi following his breakup with Camilla. It said, quote, Leo does have a sight set on Gigi, but she hasn't shown an interest. They're friends, but she doesn't want to be romantic with him right now. And then it's kind of a side plot, which is not breaking news, but just to really illustrate how small Hollywood is. Camilla, his ex-girlfriend, was spotted having dinner with Kendall and Haley this last week, who obviously are close friends with Gigi. So nothing crazy there. They've all been friends for a while now, but really Hollywood is just like one tiny little circle.
1: I always say it's high school. The way that I feel about the Leo Gigi thing is like, Where there's smoke, there has to be fire. These rumors have been going on for far too long prior to the Leo Camilla breakup where, uh, listen, I I won't, I'm not saying I'll be surprised if nothing comes of this. I won't be at all. I could see this being a situation where they never date, where this never becomes public. It's never a relationship. I could totally see that being the case. But my thought is there is definitely something going on there.
0: Oh, for sure. There has to be. It's interesting though that it's framed, you know, that Gigi just doesn't have interest at the moment, which is funny because I feel like if we were talking about this 10 years ago, obviously not with Gigi, clearly she would have been too young at the time, but I feel like Leonardo DiCaprio 10 years ago, that's just not a story that would circulate. I don't think that you don't have interest in him. Whereas now, not to say he isn't very attractive and he isn't very appealing, but I do think that kind of that esteem has worn off, not in terms of him as an actor, solely in terms of him as a heartthrob?
1: A- Attractive-wise, he doesn't do it for me anymore. Did he used to do it for you? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, when we watched we watched Romeo and Juliet in English class in, like, middle school or high school, I thought I had to excuse myself. Like, he totally, <laughs> totally did it for me. And you're right. Ten years ago, wouldn't have been a conversation. Like, I, I think that at that time, he did. But in the past couple of years, I've... You know, anytime I've seen him at an award show where he's presented, I've never felt that like overwhelming draw to him.
0: Yeah. I mean, he does it for me, but not in the way that he used to. And I think, honestly, a decent amount of that comes from like the media stories that have circulated, whether true or false. It kind of has just, I don't know, put a little a little dimmer on what I previously viewed as untouchable.
1: Yeah. But do you like. Do you look at Leo now objectively, like take all of the noise away, take all of the rumors, take all of the dating stuff, like just look at a picture of him. Like, do you feel like that's somebody that you're attracted to? At an award show? Yes. Not, not casually.
0: You know, like, and also I think that no matter who the person is, there are some people that I think, look their best all glammed up. And I think there are some people that look their best in more casual attire. I personally think he's someone that looks his best in a tux on the red carpet. Whereas there's a lot of other male celebrities that I'd be like, you know what? Not to say they don't look handsome, but I love them in jeans and a t-shirt.
1: Where Yeah. We're not necessarily like the jeans and the t-shirt is the better, more attractive look. For some people it is, but just like they can pull off both.
0: Wait, also in other couple speculation, this is coming from Dumois. I don't know the legitimacy, although there was a photo of them together that was submitted to Dumois, which did feel very intrusive because I feel like they both really didn't want to be seen, but it's out there. So alas, we're going to talk about it. Sabrina Carpenter and Dylan O'Brien apparently spotted making out in the city, which like, to me is maybe the most believable thing ever. I was going to say, I think I like this couple. And for you to say that, knowing the way that you feel about Dylan O'Brien speaks volumes.
1: You know, the way that I feel about Sabrina Carpenter is the Olivia Rodrigo situation really put her through the ringer. And so for her to come out on the other side of it and Dylan O'Brien to be some sort of a consolation prize feels fitting to me. Like, I I can accept that reality.
0: But also, you remember, it was like, oh, you know, it was the, the day before the Met Gala when we saw her having dinner with Yara Shahidi at American Bar. And we were like, wait, that is like the prettiest table I've ever seen in my
1: life. Do you remember? Yeah. And then the next day at the Met Gala, we were like, oh my God, had I known that she was going to look this good and her outfit was going to be one of my top picks of the night, I would have said something to her the night before. Yeah. She was in that gold two piece, which was just like an epic look. Yeah. Listen,
0: I totally see it. Who knows where it's going to land, but absolutely a hot couple that feels very realistic.
1: I'm also very interested in like the next generation of celeb, as I like say often. And to me, Sabrina Carpenter and Dylan O'Brien dating feels very representative of this like new age of young Hollywood. I think it's a little bit new age. Yeah. I mean, to me, those are like, listen, Dylan O'Brien's obviously been in the game for a while, but I'll never forget being with your entire family and like talking about Dylan O'Brien and being like, oh, Teen Wolf. And your cousin being like, He's not Teen Wolf. Like, there's like three other like Michael J. Fox's Teen Wolf. I'm like, listen, let's agree to disagree because nothing but respect for my Teen Wolf. But I think that um, there's been a resurgence of Dylan O'Brien and a newfound fascination and kind of bordering on obsession, I would say, for some people. Um, <laughs> that not to name any names here, not to not to put myself on blast, but I think that. Based on the new reaction to him and a newfound love for him, it feels very New Hollywood.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm into it. We'll see how it goes. The other thing that we just have to talk about again, it's like not a story and it's so annoying to talk about it and not have a visual element. Although I have to believe if you're listening to this, you've seen the paparazzi photos. And if not, we'll put the link in the description. Beyonce had a disco themed belated 41st birthday party. It was hosted by her and Jay-Z at a mansion in Bel Air. And I mean, star studded guest lists, just to name a few, Drake, Lizzo, Adele, Rich Paul, Jaden Smith, Bella, Kris Jenner, Kim, Tristan, unfortunately, Chloe, Lala, MGK, Megan Fox, Lily Rose Depp, Offset, Vanessa Bryant, Kelly Rollins, Zendaya, Michael B. Jordan, Gab Union, Ciara, Storm Reid, Anderson Pack, and so many more. I mean, that is the paparazzi content I live for.
1: And everybody walking out of this party just looking absolutely disheveled told me everything I needed to know about the night. Wait, did you see? This is like
0: so niche. I don't know if you saw this. So there was this photo of Chloe walking out with this guy and everyone's like, who is the mystery man Chloe Kardashian spotted with? And I saw all this stuff on TikTok of, of people thinking it was Todd Cranes. And I'm like, okay, it's embarrassing to admit
1: this, but obviously I know that it's Andrew who works with Mindy Weiss. <laughs> That's so funny. I actually couldn't tell who it was. The one that he's like grabbing her boob.
0: yeah, like obviously not intentionally. He's just walking out with her, and like I, it looked like she was kind of drunk, and, you know, he was just like helping her. But I saw that, and I was like, oh God, that is Andrew from Mindy Weiss and I know not that many people will know that off first glance, And what does it say about me that I do?
1: There's a specific level of shame when you recognize somebody you're not supposed to.
0: I know, I know. I mean, listen, that man is a talent. Anyone who has worked with Mindy for that many years is a supreme talent, and I have a lot of respect for him. So I loved that he was just, you know, Chloe's potential plus one or just helping her leave gracefully.
1: The thing that I have to say about this party is that we've definitely seen star studded Beyonce events before. This is not the first. I, and I don't know, I could be wrong here. I feel like I was surprised by this magnitude of celebrity. Like this, it, it didn't feel like the normal guest list for a Beyonce party. I didn't expect MGK and Megan Fox to be there. I was honestly a little surprised to see Kim and Chloe there. Like it really felt like it spanned the Hollywood spectrum. Like everyone who was, everyone was there. And I don't know if I'm used to that with Beyonce. It usually seems like a very selective crowd when she does events yeah yeah, but when you look at this this is pretty selective like everyone here is really famous of course but not about fame i mean more about her circle like this is not only her circle i don't like have beyonce and mgk ever spoken prior to this night like tristan was there like it feels like a much wider cast net than i would have expected it still is obviously exclusive this was like clearly the event of Hollywood. Like this is anybody who's anybody is there. I just feel like when it comes to Beyonce, I'll tell you what it is. Okay. This felt Mm -hmm. more like a Drake party guest list than a Beyonce party guest list. Yeah. But to
0: me, that is best case scenario. A party hosted by Beyonce that has the slight little like thirst of Drake. That's our dream.
1: Oh my God. I am not complaining in the slightest. If I could get content from this night, from every single minute of it, I would never stop looking at it. I would never get sick of it.
0: I think also, you know, there's something to be said when everyone in the room, no matter how famous they are or how respected they are in their own right, they understand like where they land in comparison to Beyonce. And so for every person to feel honored to be there, no matter who you are, like, let's not forget the Kim-Beyonce history. It was a little shaky there, whether factually or just rumored. So like, I think even someone like Kim fucking Kardashian. I think she's like, yeah, I'm at Beyonce's party. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be photographed and it feels really good.
1: But you know what's funny? And you're not going to agree with me because I don't think that you view the situation in the same way that I do. But I have to admit that when I see Kim at a Beyonce party, it like brings Kim down to earth for me. Like to me, I'm like, oh, it's still cool that Kim is there. Not just because of their past, just because of like, I don't know, to me...
0: I can't explain it. I swear to God, I want you to keep going, but I swear to God, I get what you're saying. Like, but keep going. Cause I don't know if anyone else does that. Like, cause we're kind of telepathic. Keep going.
1: It's like, Kim is the biggest, is like the most famous woman in the world. Like to me, I look at Kim and there's not a person alive that doesn't know her name, doesn't know about her. Like she is Kim Kardashian. She's in a league of her own. And then you put her next to Beyonce. And for some reason I'm like, oh, that reality star got invited. Like how cool for her. i know and like
0: to me that speaks so much more to the power of beyonce than anything else like you're talking to you and i who admittedly definitely put kim on a pedestal right and then it takes a beyonce 41st birthday party to bring her back down to earth to me that's a hat tip to beyonce not that she needs it or
1: wants it obviously but yeah the power of beyonce just continues to be unmatched
0: We all get bogged down with the mundane tasks of life, especially this time of year. But isn't it time you take a break from your normal, boring routine? Don't just sit on the sidelines and watch life go by. Get in the game with the bold, tropical lime flavor of Mountain Dew Baja Blast. You can be having a blast anywhere. Having a blast at work, having a blast in traffic, having a blast while you file your taxes. No, really, we mean it when we say anywhere. With Baja Blast now in stores everywhere, you can be having a blast whenever and wherever you are, all year long. So what are you waiting for? Pick up an ice-cold Baja Blast today at a store near you. And for a limited time, with every purchase of Baja Blast in stores and at participating Taco Bell locations, you can collect coins for a chance to get Baja gear or a Taco Bell deal. This swag is available for a limited time only, so don't wait. Grab a Baja Blast and start having a blast right away. No purchase necessary, open to U.S. residents 18 or older, subject to official rules at BajaBlast.com. Ends June 15, 2024. Void where prohibited. So there are obviously so many different reasons that a person would want to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip, or maybe you just want to pick up a new skill or hobby, or maybe you're like me, and at one point you were almost fluent in Spanish, and then you kind of lost it and are trying to get it back. Whatever the reason, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really immerses you in the language that you want to learn, which again, for me was Spanish. And I was kind of Relearning, I guess I could say, because I really do feel that when I was abroad there, I had it so much better. And my dad would always tell me, if you don't use it, you lose it. And I kind of lost it. So, first of all, number one about Rosetta Stone, they have been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Second of all, it's fast language acquisition. So, they immerse you in many ways. It's no English translation. So, you're really learning to speak, listen, and think in that language, which for me, that's when I always could feel it clicking when I noticed myself really thinking in the language. It's an intuitive process, so you're picking up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it really is designed for long-term retention. Also, speech recognition, so they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation, kind of like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's convenient, there are desktop and app options with audio companion and ability to download lessons offline, and it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life, that's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettasone.com comments. That's a 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettasone.com comments today. Wait, before we get into the Kardashian recap, can we just spend 30 seconds on the Tom Brady Giselle rumors? I would love to. I mean, we don't really know what's going on, but there's basically for the last few weeks been rumors that their marriage is suffering due to Tom's decision not to retire, and that there have been reports that they apparently are living apart. And then for the Bucks season opener, Giselle, you know, posted on Twitter in support, but she wasn't actually at the game. So I don't really know. Like I truly have no gut feeling on this, other than I'd be lying to you if I said that I ever anticipated this. Like they were one of the Hollywood couples that just felt like if something was going to rock them, we were never going to find
1: out about it. That was the impression that I got too. I was actually surprised to hear about this, um, but I'm not surprised that the decision to not retire is causing issues in their marriage. That doesn't surprise me at all. And it doesn't surprise me the decision to unretire. Like none of this is shocking to me. It's surprising to me that... Um, We're getting any sort of insight to this at all, but her not going to his first game is as telling of a thing as any.
0: Right. Like not to fall into the trap of taking something that feels kind of trivial and associating it with signaling something bigger, but I just feel like, you know, she's been known to be so, so overly supportive in person at his games that... When there's smoke, maybe there's fire. I don't know. I'd be really, really surprised if this ends in divorce. I really would be. But exactly, I'm not necessarily shocked that it's potentially happening. I'm shocked that we're finding out about it, which I think is an important distinction.
1: I don't think it ends in divorce either. I think they work this out, but the separation is fascinating. I'm very interested in if they're actually living apart.
0: I mean, here's my thing though. I mean, let's just go with the report that it has to do with, you know, her frustration of him not retiring since that was originally the plan. To me, that makes a lot of sense. Like if I'm her, I am so looking forward to his retirement because not to say he wasn't a really attentive husband and father, but think about how much time football occupied. I mean, not just in season, but also off season. It's, it's a full-time commitment in a lot of ways. I'm sure that she would say he's not only married to her, he's also married to the sport, which of course is a great thing. I mean, it's. Brought them so much money in addition to her own money and so much success and and so much esteem. I mean, the, the list goes on. I just think she probably got really, really excited for his retirement and for them to have so much more time and, you know,
1: no longer this busy schedule that, yeah, she was probably like not thrilled about it. Can't you see the conversation between them? Like, can't you see it exactly scripted? Like it's a CW show, like very One Tree Hill, like her saying, him saying to her, like, you're the love of my life. And her going, no, football is the love of your life. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm envisioning. <laughs>
0: Wait, so Kardashian recap-wise, a lot going on, a lot going on. First of all, Kim and this private equity firm, so she is teaming up with Jay Salmons, who ran consumer investing at Carlisle to launch Sky Partners, spelled with two Ks, and it will, quote, make investments in sectors including consumer products, hospitality, luxury, digital commerce and media, as well as consumer media and entertainment businesses. Just as a side note, Carlisle, which was the group that Jay Salmons, her partner in this, ran consumer investing at, it had invested five hundred million dollars in Beats in twenty thirteen, and then Apple acquired Beats for three billion in twenty fourteen. So I just think that's relevant information given Kim's most recent collaboration. To me, this is like huge. Like I'm actually almost embarrassed that we didn't see this specifically coming. I know we've always known that she had a lot going on behind the scenes and clearly there was so much more to the way she was making money than just these really front facing brands and brand deals. But like, of course she was going to do this. Do you know the money she is about to make, Julie? It's like, It almost feels like insider trading to have a person controlling a private equity firm that also simultaneously is maybe the person that influences culture more than anyone else in the world. It's like she can invest in a brand and then she can single-handedly make that brand successful
1: and famous. It's like, it's a system hack. It's a system hack completely. And it's the smartest possible move for her to be involved in. Like I, as soon as this was announced, it completely clicked. You're right. I, I can't say I necessarily saw this coming because I don't think that I... I don't think my brain works in that way where I would have jumped to private equity necessarily. But as soon as she announced it, I was like, oh, my God, this is such a no brainer. This is such a smart move for her. Like this is so representative of this new era of Kim. And it's funny because Kim recently did interview mag and obviously like the cover of it was her with her ass out. And I saw a tweet that was like Kim did another shoot where her ass is out like and no one's really reacting. I fear this is like the end of the Kardashian reign. And it was so interesting to have that because I don't think that was necessarily wrong. Like, I don't think it created that much buzz, but to have that contrasted with the private equity announcement, which did create a ton of buzz was not, this is the end of the Kardashian reign. No, it's, this is the new evolution of it. It just keeps continuing and leveling up.
0: Exactly. And by the way, if you're Kim, I think that you would 10 out of 10 times at this point in your life, rather the hype be around the private equity announcement than around a photo with your ass out. because. I mean, at this point, how many photos with her ass out have there been?
1: Right, exactly. Like to me, there's far more interesting things about Kim than her ass these days. And if she wants to post a photo like that and she wants to do an interview like that, she has every right to and I give all the power to her. And I will always be obsessed with the duality and the contrast between being able to do that and also being able to be a powerhouse businesswoman. And so to me, when she does that, all it does is continue to emphasize that point.
0: Right. And I think that at this phase in her life, that duality is the thing that she is maybe the most proud of, with the exception of, of being a mom. I mean, in terms of other like sectors of the space that she's entering, it was also announced via her interview mag cover that she's starting a true crime podcast with Spotify. And the interviewer says, OK, as a true crime junkie, can I ask you what this podcast is about? And Kim says, it's called The System. The first season is about a really crazy case where a guy got the death sentence for a triple homicide that happened in Ohio. There's so many twists and turns with how it was handled or mishandled, and we take the listener along for a journey in search of the truth. Also, not something I would have thought of her doing, but now that she says it, yeah, it makes
1: total sense. Oh, I'm so interested in the dollar amount behind that deal. With Spotify, huge. hmm Huge. <laughs> Although I, I do
0: wonder... The frequency of the episodes you know because i not not that that like greatly impacts it but is this a weekly thing is this twice a week is this once a month you know i'm just curious about that
1: um my guess is that it's just a limited series that will probably be released once a week but they're all already pre-recorded like she probably did it in one shot like she's not sitting down every week to record a new episode
0: yeah well listen if there's one thing about
1: kim it's efficiency yeah. I mean, and you can't be Kim and live any other way.
0: So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like, generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically, when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes, there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like, you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car, like a legendary Camry. Built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla. With a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Another story that's not breaking news, but just something we really wanted to talk about Kim and Sarah Jessica Parker sitting front row next to each other at the Fendi show, also with Lala and Naomi Watts, which I think if you know nothing about their previous relationship, this is still a pretty iconic photo, especially because it was debuting Sarah Jessica Parker's collab with Fendi for the famous Fendi baguette bag. But if you know about it, like Kim has repeatedly said that SJP is the nicest celebrity she's ever met. And when, and just like that premiered, she was so supportive on social, supporting the show, supporting Sarah Jessica. So it's like one of those moments where I actually think this was cooler for Kim than it was for SJP.
1: Oh, definitely cooler for Kim. I, any front row Kim, SJP, New York Fashion Week, like the real big celebrities being there, like that is an iconic moment and that is an iconic photo.
0: Not that Kim was there, but the Tommy Hilfiger show was also really star studded.
1: That jacket that Travis was in looks so comfortable so comfortable like a fucking cloud right yeah like I want that on me
0: I know I know and he you know it's so like again Hollywood is so small it's like okay yeah obviously Tommy Hilfiger is a huge designer this would have been a huge show regardless but he also happens to be one of Chris's best 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 friends like Tommy and Dee as we know famously vacation with Chris and Corey every summer in Italy it's a whole thing on their yacht and like At his debut show at New York Fashion Week, Travis Barker, Chris's son-in-law, just so happens to be playing the drums. And by the way, he would be playing the drums whether or not he was married to Courtney. Like, it's just so crazy the way everyone is so interconnected.
1: It's all so intertwined. When you break it down, really, that is probably my biggest takeaway every single week, every single time we have a story is that everybody is just so connected, so intertwined. It never... You could web celebrities and never run out of connections to make. It's like we were playing this game in the car, like one of the car games that we play, um, kind of like the rating game, but also like, like a quote six degrees of separation game where you just name two random celebrities and you have to connect them by like either a movie they've been in together, a TV show, they, a song they've collabed on, who they've dated. And it's like, you can pretty much connect every single celebrity with like tops two degrees. Mm-hmm, I know, <laughs> it's, it's like not that difficult. It's crazy though in ways that you just don't even expect. It's just, it, it, it's fascinating the way that it's such an ecosystem. Like Hollywood is such an ecosystem. It all works together and it only works because it all works together.
0: I know, I know. I mean, okay, so in other Kardashian news, as I'm sure most of you saw, Kylie and Chris were on the James Corden show. And there were a lot of different segments, you know, pretty fun, lighthearted stuff. And in one of them, Chris did a lie detector. And, you know, there were some more lighthearted questions. For example, do you ever think that Courtney and Travis's PDA is a little too much? Or Kylie asking her if she's her favorite, to which Chris said yes and the lie detector said was true. And then James Corden asks if she had any part in releasing the sex tape, to which Chris said no and the lie detector said was true. This then sparked Ray J to really really go on a rant. He went on Instagram live which was about 45 minutes. It's now posted to his grid so you can watch the entire thing where, you know, he's basically saying you guys have been lying on this for all of these years. And this really set me over the edge, kind of like, when have you learned to just not talk about it anymore? And it was a a very kind of chaotic live. He was basically showing a PowerPoint of all of the evidence he has that Chris and Kim both were integral in releasing it. And then in the process kind of screwed him over apparently it's going to court. So like this will become a very legitimate legal battle. It's too hard right now for me to follow exactly what's going on, but it seems like he is not stopping.
1: You know, it's interesting. Like, I don't know what I think about this. Like I, I, obviously there's the part of me that has always believed the party line of Chris didn't release this and neither did Kim. Um, And maybe that's just completely naive. And I guess, especially with The receipts and the evidence that Ray J is pulling up, that's more than naive. It's just, I guess, maybe at this point, stupid to believe. The thing that confuses me in all of this, I've never once felt like them absolving themselves of responsibility in terms of its release put it onto Ray J. Like, I always felt like this was orchestrated by a third party and both of them were kind of screwed over in the process of this coming out. You're saying in terms of the way that it was presented publicly? Yeah. Like I feel like Ray J is reacting to the fact that, well, if they're saying they didn't release it, everyone thinks he released it. And I never, ever felt that way. I never felt like Ray J had anything to do with it. I never felt like Kim and Chris did. I always felt like this was some sort of a hack or some sort of, I I don't know what I thought. Like I, I, again, super naive probably, but I never (laughs) felt like the lack of their responsibility meant that it was Ray J that did it.
0: Okay. So here's my reaction to that same honestly but then on the most recent season of kardashians the scene with the roblox she was calling out ray j's manager which obviously has the ray j association and then when kanye brought the computer with the hard drive and everything it was from ray j which actually ultimately ended up painting ray j in a pretty positive light because it showed that he quote did the right thing right but right yeah yeah, maybe that is i don't know I, i think it's a combination of his view in the way that they have portrayed him, whether or not the public feels that they have, and then also what he feels he was due and never received, which are two completely different things. And honestly, one has nothing really to do with the other because he could be perceived beautifully and then also feel like he was really screwed over by like financially. So I I don't know. The way that I've always felt about this, honestly, anytime it's kind of come up, is that like, yeah, maybe something here and then it has died down and it's never really... I don't know, taking on the fire. And maybe it still won't, but what he was alleging in this video felt like the pressure was on and he is fully taking this to court. And whatever the outcome is, is the outcome. But I mean, how much of that can be kept private once it actually goes to court? I don't know.
1: Well, and then that's my question to Kim and Chris specifically, where it's like, if you know that this party has all of this evidence against you under something that you've been trying to hide for years and years and years. And I've continued to say that you had zero pardon. Why keep bringing this up? Like no one's forcing you to continuously talk about the sex tape. And I don't mean it from an angle of like, well, you shouldn't keep bringing up this thing that happened that like Kim did. Like I, I, if they want to talk about Kim's role in this and the way that it affected their fame, like that's one thing, but to continue to bring it up when it's kind of a risky move to do, knowing that somebody else has a lot of dirt on your involvement in releasing it. If it is true, seems crazy to me. Like it could have just been left out of a plot point of the show. It could have not been brought up in this James Corden interview. Like to me, I, I, if I'm Chris and Kim and I know that there's evidence against us, I'm like, let's just never bring this up again. Let's do every single thing in our power to, to, completely forget that this exists because as the public, we do continually forget it exists. It's them that kind of reminds us about it. Right, but the the counter argument to that
0: is if there really is no legitimacy to what Ray J is saying, then why would they feel the need to not bring it up? Why not freely talk about it in a kind of funny, lighthearted way on James Corden that's gonna ultimately go viral if they really feel that they have absolutely nothing to hide? Which I think in some way kind of almost cuts at Ray J's argument, which I guess then the counter argument to that is like, well, no, they've just felt like they're in the clear after it's been going on for this long. I don't really know. There's absolutely an argument to be made on both sides. I just think like at the current moment, we don't have enough information to decide. And yeah, that's the story that we've been told and believed for all of these years, which I know a large majority of people will think that that's like super, super naive and, and always felt from day one that Chris was integral in orchestrating it. You know, like like almost think that it, it's more than naive. It's like straight up just unintelligent to believe that that's the case, which if, the truth comes out and that's what it is. I'd be the first one to say we, we were led astray and we were wrong. It's just that that has been the narrative told to us for so, so, so long. And you would think that if that really wasn't the case after all of these years, it would have come out and it just hasn't. So I don't like, we'll just have to see. That's really all that's, that's there to say.
1: Well, I think that's kind of my point. Like, I don't know what I think about what Ray J is saying because of that fact. Like if, this is so cut and dry and there is all of this evidence against them and he's been holding on to this for so many years, it's like, yeah, why, why would they bring it up? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, you're right, it cuts into his argument a little and I don't know if that's fair because that's just like the way my brain is viewing this situation from just the strictly logical perspective, but I don't know. We'll see how this plays out as, as with anything else. Of course. Is there anything else you want to mention about anything? Yeah, maybe Scott's Insta story of Kimberly Stewart.
0: Oh, yeah. Him on the plane with Kimberly Stewart and her brother in the photo with the caption, hope you liked the show.
1: <laughs> you can't really see her face. Like, can we consider that a hard launch still? It's like a it's like a in the words of Brody Jenner, it's like a half
0: chub launch, you know?
1: I was going to say, like, place me on the most scale of where this falls in terms of yeah. hard to soft launch.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I wouldn't say it's fully hard, but it's certainly not entirely soft. But it's also like, why is her brother there? Like, I know they're friends, but why is her, why is her brother in the photo for a potential hard slash soft launch?
1: I, for the joke of the Insta caption. If there's one thing that Scott's going to do, it's do it for the joke.
0: I know, but he's also going to do it in a way that like just crosses the line, teeters on That's the line. That's my favorite say. thing about him also Courtney launching Lemmy, which is a line of
1: vitamins and supplements. So that feels pretty on brand. Is this her like thing? Do you think like, is this the thing that does really well for Courtney? Like, is this her skims or good American? Yeah. Like her version of that. Yeah.
0: Um, It could totally could be. I mean, it's the one, the thing she is going for her from the jump is that it's like very on brand. Not one person saw that and was like, hmm, that doesn't really make sense. Like it it makes a hell of a lot of sense. I can't speak to the quality of the products, but I can speak to how much sense it makes.
1: Yeah, totally. I'm interested yeah. to see the reviews on this and how it does. I want it to
0: be really successful for her so badly. I genuinely do because like, you know, Push is kind of like the little engine that could and did... It, I feel like Push has reached the capacity in terms of how successful it was going to be. Whereas... This, which is more of a, like a tangible object,
1: if it's great, it has the potential to really do well for her. And to me, I, I I want that for her. Why not? That's how I feel too. Like I'm I'm really on board for her just like selling something. Like I, the push business model never really made sense to me, but marketing and selling vitamins and supplements, like I, that's something I can understand.
0: Yeah. Although I really like the supplements from the um, Love Wellness brand from Low Bosworth. Me too. That, Remember we got them from her when we, I, I really like those specifically
1: the, um, the, what's it called? The like good girl probiotics. I was just going to say, you only like them cause it says good girl. <laughs> Not me having a praise king via my vitamins. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that, I think that's all she wrote. <laughs> I think that about does it for today's episode.
0: Okay, we'll see you guys later this week for the bonus show and for Bravo. And wait, holy shit, Julie. Next week is Kardashian's premiere. Oh, my God.
1: Yes, the 22nd. Oh, my God. Yes.
0: Oh, my God. Wow. That's exciting. That's amazing news, actually. Okay. Oh, my God. I cannot wait. Yeah, me too. That'll be amazing. Okay, we'll see you guys later this week.